0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. For more information, visit rothcheese.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're getting semantic to understand the deeper meaning behind some of the foods we love. First, we'll look at the big debate happening around the word milk.
2: Who the hell are you to tell me what is the name of my product and my landscape and everything we've cared about when, you know, you don't have anything invested in except to put out a little money to buy it? (laughs) It's
0: our entire life.
1: Then we get the lowdown on the language of cider. So the first thing that's really confusing about dryness is that it has nothing to do with how
0: something actually feels in your mouth.
1: And finally, we get our fill of tiki talk.
0: You don't walk into a tiki bar like, oh yeah, this is what Polynesia is probably like. Like, it's it's supposed to be
3: like fantasy and stuff. That's the hard part. It's so easy to do tiki bad, and that's where it gets a bad
1: name. Tune into this week's episode of Meet and Three. That's M E A T plus sign T H R E E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: If you're a farmer and you want to connect with amazing chefs and restaurant owners to sell your product, what do you do? Maybe you go to market. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 150 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And right now at 11.03 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on April 18th, I am certain every single one of them is listening to Tech Bytes. I hope so. The weekly <laughs> show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the influence and intersection of food and tech. And we have a great show today. It is also the last show of the winter season. It is the last show at the Thursday 11 a.m. time slot. So it's... We're gonna make it a good one.
4: Do you want to plug your new time slot?
2: My new time slot is going to be Tuesdays at six p.m.
4: I'm nice. Well, you'll miss me. I'm sorry to hear. I'm honored. i this Why? Again. Why? Six, you said six p.m. Yes. I will be picking my children up at. Well, that's like right at the end of of my day. Usually Aren't getting... your kids big
2: enough to take the subway yet?
4: Uh, I wish. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that is the voice. If you were listening. To the main course OG, which is the show right before this one, you will recognize that voice. That is the conversational stylings of Brandon Hoy, co-owner, co-founder of Roberta's Pizza, where the Heritage Radio Network studio lives.
4: And always a pleasure to be on Tech Bites.
2: We love to have Brandon. He is here, you can probably guess, like he always is, to be a focus group of one for a new restaurant tech platform.
4: The only focus group I know.
2: <laughs> the only focus group you need.
4: <laughs> Thank
3: you. The only focus group we need. <laughs> the right people in the right seats. Yeah.
2: So joining us today is David Moosman. He is co-founder and CEO of a company called To market You can find them online, 2Market.farm, F-A-R-M. And it's a pretty interesting little platform that we'll get into in a minute. But Thanks. before we do, we're going to do like we always do. We're going to go around the shipping container and talk about apps, apps we love, new ones, old favorites. Brandon, you got an app you like right now?
4: Um, I, I probably probably will be the same one that I used last time. Actually, I don't remember what I said last time, but Adobe Capture and, and kind of the Adobe suite of things. As a creative, it's a helpful tool. Um, you know, it captures color palettes, it captures like shapes and stuff like that. And then, so as I see something that I enjoy, I usually color capture it and capture it for, for angles and shapes and it saves into my phone. And then when I'm doing design work, I usually go back and I look through things and I say, wow, I like this palette or I like these, like these angles or something like that. So I, that would probably be my most used app at the moment. So tell us or find my kid on the subway. That should be (laughs) if somebody's out there listening, find my kid on a subway is also an app I would like to have.
2: Can't you just lowjack them with their phones anyway? I, I,
4: I think that we could I would rather low jack them like just insert it into their phone. Like an
2: actual low jack, yeah, like a size fi exactly, kind of low jack totally. implant. I anklet. just feel like
4: by the by the time my kids are old enough to Home read this away, they're gonna be like burner phones and all that. Like they're gonna burner be like, phones
2: are coming back. Totally. It's the nineties again. Oh yeah.
4: And also like your, their, your kids are a, gonna like I'm waiting for kid, a
2: beeper and a blackberry.
4: Totally. They're gonna like leave their phone in a backpack at a friend's house and then they're gonna like roll out yes. with their burner and be like, yes. dude, my dad thinks I'm at Kaylee's house, and it's like, <laughs>
0: pff,
4: dumb dad. The old kicks. You know. need to get. You yeah. need to
2: get into tech. I do. You need I to do. get into tech and I start do. building all this stuff. Okay, but, so Adobe. Now, tell listeners really quickly though, what is your what is your creative output? Because we think of you as a restaurant owner and a hustler and doing all those things that come with owning a restaurant. What's your creative output?
4: Well, I you know. I, just in the restaurant itself, there's all types of design stuff. You're always, like, trying to look at something new. And as you build new restaurants, you're always, like, kind of looking at, at things. I, or I am looking for things from a design aspect. Um, I also run all of the merchandising for Roberta. So I do all the clothing and all that stuff. So Merch. The Roberta's merch,
2: merch and the T-shirts merch. and T-shirt design and limited edition is really is a like, big deal.
4: And, I, and it's, like, really an outlet for me to just – I'm a creative person person by nature and always been into art and stuff like that so it is I have to have that like creative outlet to do I try to find these creative things in everything we do like right now we're redoing the backyard and doing some hard bars under construction yeah, all of the, all of that stuff is is under construction and you want to look at that and like with the same creative lens that you look at merchandising or, or anything so so and a, and a lot of these things you try to like find an outlet for your creative side and and you try to like unleash that on whatever project Projects you may have and and that could be anything to like rearranging just the, the table layout in a in a room. You, you know, I, I like to look at things, you know, um, with, with the creative lens.
2: So man of many talents. I think so. All right. I think so. David, That's do you great. have an app that you like right now?
3: Yeah, um, I just had a daughter. And
2: congratulations. Thank you.
3: She's uh, three months old. Wow. So it's uh, it's a lot. It's great. Um, It'll
2: be six years before your first real vacation, apparently.
3: (laughs) Hopefully not for you. I don't know why I did that. Noted. Um, Yeah, (laughs) we're in Denver. Every day's vacation. You have baby merch, right?
2: Baby merch. I do. Well, not
3: not
4: baby. I I would say youth.
2: Youth merch. Yeah, youth.
4: I've done some onesies, but yeah, youth. Pizza, my heart. Pizza, my heart. That's that 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 was actually we did a postcard with pizza, my heart by. um, um, home
2: Slice.
4: Yeah. Uh Home Slice, they did that one too.
2: No, I'm saying uh, that would be adorable oh, as home a onesie. Slice, yes.
4: Okay. Right now right now our baby merch says little stinker, which is one of our pizzas that we have here. So it says Roberta's That's appropriate.
2: little 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 okay. stinker. The cutest. Right. So you just had a daughter. So Congratulations. A daughter. Three you. months.
3: Yep, three months. And uh her name is Annalise. And not mini moose. Not um well not yet. Um yeah, we my wife is uh, my wife is German, so uh she's uh, we call Annalise Liesel. So when she gets bigger and starts taking Muay Thai, she can be Lethal Liesel.
2: Mm. All right, right on. She yeah. already has a fight name. I like
3: it. Yeah, and if she starts playing football, she'll be Diesel Liesel. Oh. Mm. And if she gets into the creative side of things, we're thinking easel Liesel. so Liesel. Oh. Um, you
4: really got this. Uh, totally. Thought she's going to
1: hate you when, it when she's out. 12. Oh, I'm going to embarrass, gonna I'm gonna embarrass you her
3: every single day. And uh, it, yeah, we're not here to hit ground balls. We got to set her up. I I did I named my
4: first daughter um, She's named after Charles Barkley Her name is Charlotte Barkley And we call her Charlie So she is Charlie Barkley So that was She just We jumped right in with that one Totally
3: That's a good place to go Girls
2: with boys names are cool also You know
3: I hope so. James King, <laughs> and, and Charlie, so. like all that <laughs> was great. She yeah. hates Charlie. She's like, I'm like, Charlotte. Like Charlie. Damn it. Charlie's cool, too. So yeah. this leads um, to an app. Right. So um, uh, I one of my biggest pet peeves is how none of the uh, conferencing apps seem to work. And so my new favorite thing is uh, Duo, Google Duo. It just works. And I have uh, been able to see my daughter while I'm here in New York City. So
2: Fantastic. And
3: um, that's that's why the story led from uh because uh Google Duo it. just works. My parents, uh, they love it now too. Um, it's like the first app my dad's put on his phone, uh, ever, uh, wow. to be able to see his granddaughter. And wow.
4: this is a replacement for like, uh, Skype, Skype or, or blue or... jeans.
3: WhatsApp? Or, uh, um, no, it's you.
2: WhatsApp has video and audio calls. Yeah,
3: but there's duo is there's no texting. It's just, you have pictures of oh, okay. your contacts and, uh, there's, it just shows you open it. It's a video of you um, and pictures of your contacts. You click on those pictures and it calls them and you can leave a video message. There's no text. There's no um, phone calls. Just reroute back okay. through the phone. Um, and it's so easy. My parents can use it. Wow. So, so easy
2: your parents can use it. That's an endorsement.
3: Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll take my Google royalties when the, <laughs> they, get ar- they get around to it. I'm sure the check is in the mail. I can mm-hmm. imagine.
4: Mm-hmm. So do they still
3: use writes checks manually. They, they do. They do. <laughs> they On, probably they're all have they're a, those really big ones that <laughs> you see in the
4: picture. Ed McMahon? Yeah, uh, totally. The Ed McMahon <laughs> check. Yeah. Yeah. like, why is this check so big? It Google. would be
2: very funny if they had a super outdated paper HR department or something like that. I'm sure they you know.
3: do. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you had to take those big checks to bigger banks. Yeah.
4: Yeah, they have like a huge <laughs> deposit that's like there's one place to deposit your giant Ed McMahon
2: check.
3: I wanna see the I wanna see the drive through. <laughs> Um, air tube that can take a giant check, or you just it's fold like it. The Flintstones. The tellers inside it. Yeah, they're giants too.
2: So, in addition to having a three-year-old newborn, David has a food tech startup, which sounds like a lot of a lot of activity at your house.
3: Uh, again, we're not here for ground balls; so <laughs> we're swinging for the fences. And uh, yeah, if it was easy, everybody would do it. So,
2: we're so piling the, it on. When David and I spoke before the show. I think the best description of what to market is came from an analogy. So to market is a platform that connects farmers and purveyors to chefs and restaurants, much the same way. Open table allows restaurants to put reservation inventory up online and then diners can search and book reservations to market allows farmers to put their inventory online and then restaurants can search, find it, and purchase. So, what we're going to do, because we do have the amazing Brandon here, is focus group of one. I am going to let David take the conversation and explain to Brandon what it is and how it could potentially maybe be a useful tool to somebody who has a hundred. Responsibilities, at least, and many restaurants to run. <laughs> and
4: food is food is most of them. Ninety nine problems, and they're mostly
3: around food. Ninety eight yeah. of them are food. Um, yeah. So um, where I like to start is where I started. Um, I was eating thirteen thousand calories a day, um, playing professional football uh, with the Cardinals. Uh, after that, I went to Italy. I uh, made pasta there. I um, worked and cooked in uh, Brazil. Boston uh, for Island Creek and uh, in Napa all the while working on farms and purveyors of various types and on some of the best restaurants You know in the country and and arguably the world And so we saw the same problems is that farmers don't know how to find chefs and chefs don't have time really to find farmers Um, It's not that they don't know how it's not that they're not smart. It's that they're literally working two jobs to Some of them literally need to work two jobs, some of them are working a two job uh, on their farms or purveyors, and they have to figure out how to figure it out. Every single one. Every farmer that's ever walked in this store is just winging it. And every chef has to do the same. So what we did is we put a communication platform uh, to connect purveyors directly with the people that want their product the most. And on the chef side, We've seen how disorganized things can be with a piece of paper on the uh, wall or walk-in um, and how disjointed things can get if uh, one chef leaves. We talked to a chef in D.C. He had 160 purveyors on his cell phone. What happens if that guy gets hit by a car? What happens if he wants to take his first vacation in six weeks? He's going to leave his cell phone. Um, and so we put we, where we really wanted to differ from other tech sources out there Um, There are marketplaces, there are white labels, there's there's a lot of people trying to do this and we understand that. And where we really want to be different is because we think it's about the relationships. We think it's about the relationship between the farm and the restaurant, um, or the distributor in the restaurant. And so um, we made, and we know that relationships are about communication. Communication of what the farm has, um, how much you want, and the details surrounding that, when they deliver, how much they can deliver, minimums. Uh, fees, uh, timing, all that kind of things in a frictionless system so everything's all in one place for you and you don't need to figure out how to figure it out. You just go to market. So can you tell me how the...
4: How does the distributor? So, because there's there is really a rich connection between most chefs and farmers, at, at least in New York, there is. I think that that connection That'd is right. big. A, a,
0: that,
2: a human person to person. They call each other all the time. Yeah, yeah. Regularly. My partner
4: Carlo mm-hmm. is really, um, he's really engaged in that, and and he's really has like personal connections to yeah. a lot of these people who give him food, a, an right?
2: actual person to person relationship, person
4: to person relationship, and I think yeah. those things are rich, right? Yeah, but. And I think oftentimes where 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 a lot of this becomes difficult is there's a there's a there's a thin layer in between it called distribution. Right. Yeah. Which can make things very difficult. It's yeah. not a lot of farmers don't have direct access to get their food to, totally. to me. Right. Wh- wherever I am. So how does market like connect the the three pieces that that are the the food chain? Right. The, the restaurant food chain. Right. There's the 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 chef who wants a thing, who wants a thing probably from this person, and that person has to usually then give it to this person, who is a distributor, to, to, to have it distributed, right? So what's the? can you explain to me the connection between all three parties, how the distributor lays here?
3: Yeah, so um, uh, what we really are doing now is we're focusing. We're focusing really hard on, on being really good at one thing, and there are a lot of problems here in the agricultural space, um, specifically um, delivery, payments, and where we think needs to sit in front of all that is a efficient communication platform. So we don't touch money and we don't touch product. You don't pay us for that farmer's food. We don't want to get in the way because then every person that adds, that touches food adds 40% to the cost and throws away around 30% on average around the world. And so we don't want to, um, we don't deliver and we don't handle processing. We only work with people that do so if you're a farm and you want to sell to a certain restaurant um we'll easily connect you to that chef through a simple friend request a connection request Got you. so if you're a chef and they would
4: deliver directly they would deliver so, directly so this is cutting out the middleman
3: um, we want to be a tool for farmers to uh, open up new avenues. If they want middlemen, yeah, absolutely. Aggregating distribution is very effective and very efficient. Sure. And not everybody can drive into New York City.
4: Well, also, we also, also, the middleman usually requires some sort of minimums that, totally. that that don't allow smaller producers to get into the game. So, or smaller restaurants. And totally. and the 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 nature of the new market as chefs are usually looking for smaller producers yep. who specialize in a very specific thing. Yeah. They probably have a hard time finding distribution because they're they're, so they're, niche. they're, they're niche and the fact that they usually produce such little amounts of something they can't like really provide the, the, the larger distributor. Yeah. The, so,
3: the, so there's this weird, there's this um, really kind of scary thing right now um, that people are really just starting to grasp. Um, and it's data. And so, what we really want to do is...
2: Why uh, is data scary?
3: Um so what's the scary I was, thing about was, it? That's a really good question. So, I was talking to my um, brother about this.
2: data's been scary since there was data.
3: Right. And so, um, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not saying it's scary now. I'm saying it's always been. Because there's this allure that it's complicated. And, and um, it's like... Physics, like how many levels of why do you want to know about? I don't how an think data is
2: complicated. I think it can just be an enormous <laughs> quantity. Exactly, and when it's a huge, like if you know three things. That's great. If I hand you a bucket of twelve billion Fire things, hose. you're gonna f- have a hard time finding those three things. That Maybe you not want.
4: me. I'm a huge. I love it. <laughs> I will <would>, like <laughs> dive into a million things. But but I'm yeah. probably the outlier in, this, in no. this. thing. I think I think most operators in my position try to narrow the. The dashboard, right? They try to narrow the things that they're looking at and they yeah. want to see very specific Focus. things. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 I could, I could name almost everybody's dashboard. There's their cost of goods. There's their labor percentage. Yep. Like they're going to, they're going to go down the line of, of easy levers to maneuver, to make their, their operation profitable. Right. Yep. So, so you're going to look down that dashboard and you're going to quickly glance at it and say, all right, here's the things I can move to, yep. to kind of change, to change direction. S- Myself, I usually have a second and a third tier like dashboard of like smaller variances and things that I like to see that that don't necessarily show totally. uh, isn't a lever that you could maneuver to actually change something. It shows a trend that may affect your lever that may affect your your levers later, the the major things. So you might see something that's moving up and down that'll get what's you- an
2: example of what's an example of a first tier dashboard.
4: I mean your first tier K-post, dashboard K-post, yeah your first yeah exactly is all your overhead. COGs overhead you know, like your labor cost as a percentage mm-hmm. right as a percentage of sales a lot of these things are as a percentage of sales right so you could so you could adjust when you're busy and when you're slow yeah. so that's like those are those are dashboard one. those are dashboard items that you actually can maneuver to 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 like change the profitability of your business right mm-hmm. the second tier stuff start to be more like variance like like why is this like show me the difference between these two things and how how and if you start looking at differences like like here's a good variant like a, a year over as a variance right you, most people use a year over like it's not a complicated data item but a year over is a variance right you're looking at what i did today this year and what i did did today last year right
2: so because you have the tiki bar under construction now today this year and last year might be very different for beverage sales for that's, example that's
4: correct right even though I do have a secondary bar, but I can see that variance and I can understand like why things may be different. Advertising, but- marketing, stuff like that. Totally. And all of those, those, those levers are hard to maneuver. Those are just, those are, those are, those usually give you ideas of where you can go to maneuver, to get into these like more dashboard level things, which are, which are the common things that help you in profitability. Again, it's really simple. It's cost of goods. It's overhead. It's like, and it's labor. Those are like the three major things that you can control and sales. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. And so what we, what we're doing is we're, we're, Bringing, um, we're basically providing a, a, a really frictionless simple interface for some a lot of complex of uh, fire hose of data. Um, you know, it's complex If uh, how good you are at math. It's complex at how intricate you want to get into this data. It's complex at the enormity of it. And so what we're doing is we're trying to take that data and um, show people what's available and less what they should be doing. We're not really here to say organic is intrinsically good or conventional is intrinsically bad or local is 100% of the time good. We're just here on how you get those um, products that you want. So
2: describe the dashboard that Brandon would see if he was a restaurant using to market?
3: So Brandon would see, um, so we're building out the native app for all of your different buyers. And essentially, um, Brandon has um, multiple restaurants in multiple places and each one of those- um,
2: Production for the frozen pizza.
3: but All sorts of uh, avenues. And so um, all of those different places each have a purchasing manager of some sort and so how do they make their purchases they're sending phone calls emails text messages and how do you know when something went wrong only when you get the invoice at the end of the day and so what we're doing is if anybody's used slack that's another um, app that kind of conglomerates uh, information and communication so in each one of your buyers apps they have the ability to um, everybody being able to see what messages they send to the farmer so if you have two buyers in one restaurant a lot of the times, one of those buyers won't have the phone number for the farmer and say, hey, we're close, don't come in. But then they have to ask the other guy and he's off because it's Tuesday and it's his weekend. Um, or, you know, um, like we discussed a little bit yesterday, um, it's really interesting that the, the impetus of the term farm to table came about because of miscommunication. If you watched the um, Netflix series on, um, uh, on Blue Hill, um, I don't know if you guys heard this story. Um, I've,
4: n- I've never heard this story. Now,
3: did you verify this? I do not I didn't. But okay. I,
2: I didn't hear the story either. So go ahead. So,
3: so um, there's an episode with Dan Barber on um, Open t- on called uh, Chef's Table on yeah. Netflix. And so, um, not the impetus of the idea of farm to table, but the term farm to table was coined because Dan Barber went to the farmers market and bought. 10 flats of asparagus and he came back into his walk-in and there was 15 more flats of asparagus. So Dan Barber um had a rough day and said there is asparagus on every plate in some form or another. Puree, poached, grilled, whatever. Everybody's getting asparagus. And so um a very uh, esteemed food critic of the uh, New York Times walked in and so uh, everything was <laughs> Perfect, and everybody was on edge. And then the article came out, and the critic loved it. Critics said, "This is it's how." Blue
2: Hill in, in Manhattan or Blue Hill Stone Barns?
3: Uh, Manhattan. Okay, so this was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he loved it. He said, "This is the this is what farm to table means. That um, when asparagus is in season, everybody gets asparagus." And so that's how the turn count was because of a miscommunication. Because Dan Barber didn't know what his other buyers were doing. And so what we're trying to do is putting it all in one place. Everybody sees everything, so nobody has to ask. Um, When um, somebody orders asparagus, the other person gets a notification. Um, And the administration can put permissions on their buyers and says, this chef is my burger restaurant. He just gets to see buns and patties and um, ground beef. This guy um, is at our uh, high-end location. He can gets carte blanche and this guy um, gets a budget or whatever and can only see certain products and certain prices. Um, And so that everybody sees what everybody else is doing. And most importantly, and um, I'm really curious to hear about on your side, uh, turnover. You know, we're in a very transient place. And when one chef leaves, we've heard so many farmers walk into a restaurant and nobody knows who they are because unfortunately they had a relationship with the phone and uh, I, I have the
4: benefit that my partner is the chef, right. so he's not going anywhere. Unless, well, he does, unless, he's not unless, doing unless, all
3: the ordering for all of your different the, restaurants. And the, this
4: is true, but we we do have centralized ordering here. So so you know, not not saying that one person does all of the ordering, but everything flows through them. So they see everything. So we have one person who sees everything, right?
3: All the text messages that go out.
4: Not all of the text messages, but they see they see the the centralized ordering so they see like pretty much every order collect the invoice but, and then that goes back to accounting so, so yeah, they so gather the, the they gather they gather everything so but I I do I see this problem the double ordering the stuff like that because there are you know for us just in this restaurant right mm-hmm. here there's multiple people that order there's multiple kitchens right mm-hmm. so there's a you know pizza bar. There's pizza there's pizza chefs right. And there's and there's um, a back kitchen yep. that does other food. So there's two different people that are ordering, that are ordering over here and ordering over here, pizza. We have our we have a commissary kitchen, so most of the like ordering from paverer gets done there, and then it gets processed in some sort of way. Like tomato gets made into Pilates or curd gets made into mozzarella. Like those things get processed there, yeah. and then they make an order within ourselves. So yeah. we have a very complicated yeah. system that needs to be managed essentially by one purchaser right because we're not just purchasing from outside purveyors but we're also purchasing a large amount from ourselves
2: yeah that's crazy right it's crazy system our
4: biggest our biggest we're our biggest
2: customer
3: customer (laughs) (laughs) so so we we call we uh,
2: are going to take a quick break sure and find out who the sponsor is of this show did you know Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we're kind of like public radio. We keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of our members who are listeners like you, grants, and amazing companies who underwrite shows like this one. Stay with us.
1: Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese. A pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement, Roth is in its 25th year of making specialty cheese in the rolling hills of southern Wisconsin. With strong Swiss heritage, Roth is best known for its award-winning Alpine-style cheeses under the name Grand Cru. Fresh Wisconsin milk, combined with expertise and affinage, is how Roth creates high-quality, great-tasting cheese year after year. In 2016, hard work paid off when out of over 2,000 contenders, Roth Grand Cru Schwa was named world champion at the World Cheese Championship. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more.
2: My name is Sari Kamen. And I'm Leah Kurtz. And together we host Food Without Borders here on HRN. Immigrants make our food system vibrant, diverse, and delicious. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about how food connects them to their past as we explore what it's like to be an immigrant in the U.S. today. You can find Food Without Borders wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the (laughs) weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk with influencers and innovators in the food tech space. And today... That is David Moosman, who is out from Denver, Colorado.
3: Thanks, for
4: talking
2: me. Talking about his new company.
4: You might know him as Moose if there's somebody out there listening who's like, <laughs> who's David Moosman? True. Yeah.
2: His company is called To Market. If you want to follow along online, it's tomarket.farm. You can find them on social media at tomarket.farm and dot is spelled out on Instagram. His platform is to connect restaurants to farmers to make life easier for everyone and to find out if it really would make life easier for everyone representing everyone in the restaurant industry <laughs> Everyone <It's> Brandon <laughs> Hoy Roberta Pizza owner co-founder Heritage Radio Network co-host
4: the representative of
3: everyone in the restaurant industry oh, in the restaurant industry yeah, I was hoping just that's like okay. everybody in the world But that's okay Everybody eats
0: oh,
2: yeah <laughs> So we were just talking about to market. It essentially is a communication platform for restaurants to connect with farmers. How how would that make Brandon's life easier? Um, what if his purveyor isn't on your site?
3: Yeah, that's what. <laughs> I mean, that's the big question, not right? Not how many ven-
2: how many purveyors do you work with at Roberta's?
4: Um, between here in Brooklyn, we probably have you know I would say. Twenty, twenty-three, um, which is, which is down. We've, we've had as many as 40, 50 at times. So we, we've actually really over the last three years become really focused on trying to just get to the ones that we really like Mm. and, and not order two things from this person and just try to, try to find people who can get the stuff for us. And so, um, much less I would yeah I would say probably you know in the mid 20s Blanca is like our our exception because Blanca kind of we will have new purveyors constantly well, it's, it's super a very fancy
2: de- high-end fine dining also, gastronomic always, tasting menu they're always Michelin. looking for
4: a thing right they're always looking for a thing so it's the, so that's the difficult process like if your purveyor yeah. doesn't have it then you have to go out and find it and 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 often for them they're looking for a thing so we'll we'll, we'll get new purveyors we'll have purveyors over there sometimes that we'll have for weeks and never see them again so, yeah. so I guess that's unfortunate
2: yeah so i guess it's two questions one what happens if Brendan's purveyors aren't on the site? And two, what would the chefs at Blanca do if they were looking for something? Is it like is it like looking for something on Amazon?
3: Yes. So, um number 1, uh, it is um what we're building is a network. So, um we're we're not a month we're not like a monthly fee for uh restaurants and chefs. They don't pay. Um, We simply want to get more people more orders. So we're 99 cents an order to the purveyor. And so we are really a tool for the purveyors and the farmers and the distributors. And so we're going out and um, talking to more farmers and seeing who else has this problem. And um, 90% of them out there. So if
4: I was looking for sand dab. In California, I could just search in a product and see if there's a purveyor that so, carries it. So
3: what we're building, yeah, is that ability because we're again, we're not here to tell you to be local or tell you to be organic or whatever. We're just making the, how you find the next product easier, and we're bringing that data to the distributors and, and other people. So, what you, if you're looking for a Gretty and you can't find it or something? Mm-hmm. Weedlecoche fresh we'd a Um We want to take that data that um, all of, that we're conglomerating from more and more shops. And then bring that to somebody who has that product and say, look, here's an instant plug and play. All you need to do is accept a friend request. And from these uh, chefs who want your product, um, because it's. Uh, we, we do have a really simple system for the chefs, but what we're really here to do is, is solve the farmer's problem because the chef's problem is how to find the farmers. Um, and the farmer's problem is that they don't have an easy way to be found. And so that is the tool that we're building, and, is and, the tool for the. And farmers. what's the
4: cost to the chef?
3: Um, so most of our farmers friendship. are friendship. What's that?
4: Friendship <laughs> is the cost.
3: Um, it, d- easier Too doing business. It's, yeah. uh, we're seeing we're saving our chefs around 20 minutes every order just because of the back and forth on inventory, well you said you had garlic well I wanted this much and you don't have it and that kind of thing and then the communication, um, if you guys have a, a inventory or um, cost tracking software, we API into that and so anything that you order through to market instantly gets uploaded into that software um,
2: I think he said there's no cost to the chef or the restaurant, but they charge the vendor 99 cents an order. Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah,
3: just 99 cents on however long. So for you, it's is. free. That's amazing. I mean, you're gonna. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you one thing: the operators like
4: Very... free, free. free? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, Are you, you know? worried
2: about quality if something's free?
4: I, I would only be worried about is it poly- freemium. I think,
3: I think in this, no. I think in this instance, it's the farmers we're a tool for the farmers. We just the the thing that the chefs do is save time with a simpler system than have a complicated mess than it was before.
4: I think the vetting process is almost the same, right? Yeah. So from, fr- from a chef's perspective, you say, I need this product. I need uni, right? Yeah. And then this, this allows you to see who has that product, right? Exactly. And then you would, as a chef, most likely what you do is you vet those things. You say, who is this? Where do they, where, where is this coming from? What are they doing? Do I know them? Maybe I don't. Maybe somebody else uses them. Usually you're going to do your own. Nobody's going to do the vetting for you necessarily. So So then you say, I, this is respectable this this is going to be high quality uni that I would purchase and yep. I know who they are and and if it's if it's not local and they want to be local they may choose not to yeah. if they don't care they can choose to mm-hmm. if 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 it is local you may be pleasantly surprised. Is there
2: local uni in Brooklyn? No,
4: no,
2: <laughs> no. Yeah. I thought no. there might be some like crazy hydro, hydroponic no. indoor aqua no. farming thing happening. No. no,
4: but also, you know, I have a restaurant in, in, in California. So sometimes we see, we see different, we get to get different things and there's different lo- locale, right? Yeah. That, that so, you look at. So what right?
3: we say is we don't sell your product. You, your product sells your product and your story sells your product because you hear at Roberta's and especially at Blanca, a good portion of what you're selling is a story. Right. of the experience, of the story of um, how much effort you put into sourcing that product, how much effort that farmer puts into making that product great. We're here to translate the, uh, the, the inventory of the farmers into the needs of the chefs and the wants of the chefs back into orders and share the story to the end consumer. So when you walk into one of the restaurants, one of the restaurants on our system, instead of a chalkboard, we have an e-blackboard so that you can see exactly who that restaurant connects to, privacy preferences you know, aside, and see what that farm does, um, how long they've been doing it, what products they have available, and then even take a virtual farm tour on one of your other ones you talked about, um, a, uh, um, a 3D experience. And so if you hold the phone and you move it around, you can actually walk around the farm. So
4: you can't see this on radio, but I'm actually right. looking at a 3D of a farm. Uh, tool. Video tool. Of, yeah, 3D tool of a farm.
3: And, and yeah, so, it's it's a little bit Portlandia ish, but uh, the real thing. Never is... Never seen it. <laughs> it's okay. It's it's a little bit uh, hipstery, but the real point is the transparency and the traceability, so that we, we can go to. So some restaurants are local whenever possible, and that's perfectly acceptable. Now what what's that the,
4: Now what's the collection of data on on my end as an operator? Is, Ooh, it, is, it, is it is it
3: good question? Is it are I you collect- collecting
2: his data? Yeah, exactly.
3: yeah. So we want to be the most transparent data company in the world. That's we,
2: not a yes or a no, though.
3: Yeah, we're collecting. We're collecting. D- yes. <laughs> yes we're collecting everybody's data for everybody else and so which, you which choose- i
4: usually have no problem with them that this isn't a, i'm just wondering then what that what is that data creating what's yeah. the algorithm
3: that that data is the creating that that's going
4: about. to give me an advantage in and as an operator
3: yeah so um a couple different ways um that we're currently building um so again uh to stress we want to be the most transparent data company on the internet we want you to know and be able to choose who can see what aspects of your data. or are talking to the Department of Agriculture for in Colorado and the Extension Board and um, to large distributors. And so you can choose to sell your data or not. And um, you can get back the data from across the country and in other uh, regions or however big world you want by selling your data. And so it's not for... Um, what you would get out of it is uh, a couple different things. And I'll show you.
2: Brandon wants to know what he's going to get on his dashboard.
3: Yeah. Well, I also so, want to know. He likes
2: those snapshots. What's I, moving yeah, up, what's yeah, moving yeah. down.
4: I'll be honest with you, the, the full transparency. What I'm trying to get is who's the biggest purchaser of this data. I want to actually know who wants this type of data.
3: Yeah. So who's we,
4: out there that really wants this we, data? Who's purchasing the data?
3: And we want to tell you. You
2: can email us, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. If you know or if that's you.
4: I don't know. I think Moose is gonna tell me who's buying the data.
3: Um we know who has and who doesn't have. We've ta- uh, I've talked to the um Secretary of Agriculture about this kind of stuff. And um it's really difficult for the um an underfunded organization like them to to collect data at such depth and um articulation. And so on a very um uh, surface direction what we're building is uh, we've seen crop calendars where the months are at the top and the bars and so um, what some uh, departments and extension boards are doing is sending people around with clipboards asking what farmers are selling at markets and that data is is good but it's really slow and it's only once or twice um, a year and so what we're doing is we're having it in real time for farmers and chefs to see trends, to see needs, to see unmet um, demand um, in geographic locations whether they want that at a national level whether they want that at a borough level whether they want that at a regional level and then so that we can go to these farmers and say hey again hey look at all these chefs that want widalo Coche or you know, uni um, and um, let's provide them a product
4: so this is a more of a moral question who won't you sell data to
3: um, excellent w- question yes that's a super great question um and uh, the answer is is it's up to you. We want to make it up to you, who you want to see your data. Um, we are here for the farmers. Uh, the farming is a really but dip, but well, if but issue. if you're
4: selling data to Monsanto, who's giving them an advantage on what kind of mono cropping. Future totally. with so, so you it could actually be a, like a, a, a devastating, um, evil <laughs> empire. <laughs> I, I
3: totally, totally understand. You, you could be
4: funding, uh, funding with evil data empire. The, evil ta- empire. the takeover of somebody who may actually eventually, uh, you know, wipe yeah, out and we, small farmers, w-
3: yeah. We, again, we're here for farmers and we're not here for Monsanto, they have enough money, um. So you do have
2: a list of people or some people in mind that, or companies that you would not sell data
3: to? So we have some plans for data and we, we know what some people would use for data and we know what we could use it for. And there are some things that there are large companies that have, um, the ability to aggregate delivery and distribution, and that would help out a lot of small farmers. Um, and so depending on the data, depending on the usage, um, there are some people that we would talk about that with and, um, but. Again, we want to be the most. I mean, transparent this is a tricky again. subject because this it's is a slippery slope here. Hey,
4: hey, one person's line may not be another person's line, yeah. but 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 far and all, I think I think the moral question is like: at what point do you say that this is a long term? Um, the this is a con long term for the yeah. small farmer and an and advantage short term. Is this is this data collection and the selling of the data going to affect them adversely down the line? We're, so we're so collecting I think bit, I think you have we? to like kind of look at like where that moral line lies. And it also moves. It does move because mm-hmm.
2: there's I mean, things happen. We want to provide true. this
3: data for this these farmers. Is, you know, true. their communication things is so hard. Time. Things are so hard for farmers in between New York and San Francisco. Um, you know, there were literally piles of soybeans just rotting on the ground because they couldn't find a buyer. We don't know how high up our um, product is gonna be able to go, but we know that the problem is is that farmers don't know how to find buyers when they come well, into a situation. Yeah. And
4: but there's some, also but I some mean, of that has the effect of their own their
3: own right. well, m- I mean, soybeans
2: judgment. Soybean is an interesting. interesting is an interesting crop to talk about because it has so many political implications, but it also has implications in a sort of social trending nutrition way that many of the very, very popular nutritional eating styles or nutritional diets like Whole30 or keto, Mm -hmm. you're not eating soybeans or any soy product for one reason or another. So there's a huge, there's a growing Segment of the population that is choosing not to eat, but also, you've
4: things. you if you're a soybean farmer, you've probably chosen the subsidy over the right subs- yeah. And
3: so, these so. these are at the larger scale, they want fewer orders for more quantity, and we completely understand that. And so, at the end of the day, you know, this is a really tricky subject, and um, our guiding star is that we're here for farmers, and um, we will um, do what's best for that.
2: So, here's a question. Do you vet the farmers, or can any farm be on there? Can any farm be on your website? Um, uh, when you say you're there for the farmers, yeah, that's great. We're, we're, and then I think that there's also I think
4: because well, generally is another people slippery another slippery slip slope, here, right? You could you say, could say generally unethi- ethical farming that's deteriorating
3: the the you know
2: industrial farming complex.
3: What To Market does is provide It's provide the communication tool between what farmers have and who wants it.
2: So any farm could be on there.
3: So if you're a farm and you want something that is being um, super detrimental to society and super detrimental to the ground. I'm that
2: terrible pork farm that was in the New York Times.
3: There are a lot of people doing terrible (laughs) things out there. And um, what we're here to do is connect who wants what with who has it. So that farm could be on your site. And if we show the data that less and less people want that product, then I I think we can show, again, that delta of who wants more heritage breeds, who wants uh, natural farming, who wants... um, pasture-raised pork and and show that there's demand out there for it. So and so you, if they want to be able to do that,
2: what are the requirements for a farm to do, be on your website?
4: Be transparent. Somebody, it sounds like somebody if somebody wants it.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it could be anybody. And then you're Be transparent about then, what you're doing. And then it's laws of attrition or supply and demand. That create opportunity, but you're not opposed to having any type of farm or purveyor. On I your think site.
4: if I heard this correctly, he's leaving it still to the hands of the purchaser to make the right. the moral right. decision yeah, on I, what they want to buy. Okay. And I think I think that's like no different than Open I don't. That's no different than any other forum right. really. They're saying any, you can buy anything you want. the 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 moral decision on what you buy is still rested there on. There are you. some.
2: There are some. Marketplaces and portals that want to curate or sure. collect or have a point of view. Sure, this is this well, is open. What we open want to be, do
3: well, again, we want to be focusing exactly on being the best product that we can, and the best product is not the what, it's the how, and we want to convey the what to not only the chef but also the diner in the best possible way how, and that's what Two Market does, yeah. and we want to um, the what we ask our farmers is quality and transparency. You got to do the best product that you want to be doing, and you got to be telling us what that is. And if, you know, you think if um, CAFO Farm is the best quality product that you're doing and you are transparent about what that farm is doing to the surrounding um, community, about what it's doing to the soil and ecological health of the the state and the river and, uh, you know, the watershed, um, and you think that there's a market out there for that. What 2Market does is we're gonna share that story. And I think that um, things are going in a direction of a a more, you know, you said underlying tiers tiers for your dashboard. And I think that there are a lot more underlying tiers that are necessary out there. It's not just price per pound, it's cost of goods sold. And that means cost of sustainability, cost of regenerating the land, cost of what this is gonna look like for my daughter. Yeah, and, and all so, of that
4: stuff should be added into the product, and I think I think that transparency is a more is, is more uh, readily available than than it ever has been.
3: And it's a lot harder to be transparent <clears throat> around phone calls, emails, and texts, and that's what uh, we're here for. And yeah, you know, there's a lot of really tough questions out there. Um, I don't know if you guys heard of these two uh, German gentlemen, Haber and Bosch. So they solidified the. Um, they are almost inarguably the two most influential people in the world. They solidify, They um, developed the uh, process of solidifying nitrogen out of the air. And they also developed the process of making mustard gas. So they've, killed, they've been responsible for millions and millions of deaths, but they've been responsible for feeding billions and billions of people. Would they have known if what they were doing could do both? Are they bad because of the deaths? Are they saintly because of the lives they fed? Are they now going back to... Um, uh, demonic because of how people are um, monocropping things. This is a very slippery subject, and we're in flight. And um, our guiding star is to be here for farmers and being transparent. So... Um, you know, this, we, we love to keep talking and about the data because it's so interesting to us and I keep wanting to hear so much about it. And um, I'd love to keep hearing everybody else email uh, Heritage Network as to your thoughts yeah. on um, how much you know about data, how much you want to know about data and who you trust with we, your data. We
2: could do an all data show.
3: I'm mm. so open for an all data show. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> Sometimes said, we do really geeky
2: shows, but it could be a lot of fun.
4: That would need to be like a marathon. Well, like a 24 hour data marathon. If
3: only there were pizza <gasps> We should do, here. we should
2: do, you know, this is Heritage Radio Network's 10th anniversary. Been Ooh. on the air since 2009. Maybe we should do a 24 hour like Heritage Telethon or maybe like a 10 hour, one like, hour for each like year. Sounds like we found
4: a person to round it up. All Oh my goodness. Me. It'll yeah. be a lot, lot of fun. And we
2: can have like beer cool. and pizza.
4: Yeah. There's, there's like a beer. Beer. With soybeans. Yeah. There's Soybean some, pizza? There's some tequila. Soybeans, I got a good,
2: I got a good deal for you on some soybeans. I'm Brandon. sure
4: it sounds like we all have
3: a good deal on soybeans. <laughs> there's right some now. tequila that's staring me right in the face uh-huh. over there. It's hard to keep her at bay. Yeah. So
2: I am sad to say we are not only out of time, we ran over time.
3: Ah. Something flies when you're something, I know. Something it's fun. so
2: good. There's always so much more to talk about. If you are interested in meeting David Moosman, he will be back in New York City on Tuesday, May 14th at the Food Future Cohort Number 4 Capstone Day. Mm-hmm. You can buy tickets on Eventbrite. I would search Food Future Cohort 4. If you want to find them online, it is twomarket.farm. They are currently taking information from both farmers and restaurants who are interested in being a part of the site. You can find them on Instagram at farm. Brendan Hoy, Roberta's Pizza, owner, co-founder, merch master.
4: I like that. I'm going to add that to my business card. Merchmaster? <laughs> yes.
2: Also, Heritage Radio Network co-host. He is on Thursday mornings, the main course OG. That's at 10 a.m.
4: Also, my real, my real job is board member of Heritage Radio. I thought That's your real, real job, job was dad. That is actually my real job. Dad. <laughs> dad, husband, those are real jobs.
2: Absolutely, the most important jobs. Yes, they are. The rest is just soybean. Mm-hmm.
3: thanks guys for having me on really appreciate it
2: thanks to all our listeners listening to the last episode of the winter season come back and see listen to tech bites we will be at a new time starting in may tuesday at 6 p.m it's going to be a great season i think we're going to hit episode 200 real soon we're at 174 i think Tech Bytes is engineered by Jeet Paul. Our theme song is No Matter CPU Track by the amazing DJ Uptown Nico. You can find him on SoundCloud and venues around New York City. I'm Jennifer Leuzzi, your host and producer. And this is Tech Bytes. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork.